Okay. Uh, we'll look at the book of John here, and uh, I want to go all the way to uh, chapter 5. And in chapter 5, I want to come down here. Well, actually, we just take it from the top. After Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish religious holidays, now, when we found out what that was, now, Israel was a pretty good-sized place uh, itself. And three times a year, at least three times a year, one was Passover, and then about two months later, there was another festival. Then there was uh, one right during the fall, during the, anyway, and they were all supposed to come at that time. Outside of that, they actually had their own little churches out there, and that's where the Levites were. Oh, oh, and uh, remember the Levites, and then you had high priests and stuff like that. But anyway, you made this trip to Jerusalem. So Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish religious holidays. And I'm telling you, these were tailgate parties. They were not, oh, no. <gasps> you actually had drinking going on there. We've made it, we're all but prohibition today. In the Bible Belt. I mean, we just like, oh my gosh. I grew up in that totally. I grew up thinking alcohol was, oh my gosh. It's just, you just. Now, there are problems and stuff, but you can't let that bother you and, and think that that's, that's, this is a Christian and this is not. But anyway, let's keep going here. <clears throat> so anyway, because you know, you, you actually went to the Lord. I'll use my coffee here. You went before the Lord with a strong drink. What? Yeah, I'm telling you, just read your own Bible yourself. i show you where. I can save you a little trip to uh, start, in, uh, start in Leviticus in Numbers, and you'll pick it up again and do it right. But Leviticus in Numbers, and you'll go, oh my goodness, yeah. And then the Lord's always talking about, you know, when you get to promised land, a man flow, land flowing with milk and honey, and then all these grapes. What's up with the grapes? But anyway, religious holiday. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate. Now there's actually this, you can see Jerusalem and it's got a north, south, east, and west. There's walls like a huge castle and all these different gates. There's several. It's like exit signs. We don't have them here, but the exit, exit. It's not an exit that way. There's an exit back there. Gates. All right. The Sheep Gate was Bethsaida, there was the best of the pool, with five covered platforms of porches surrounding it. Now notice, all this leading up to something. Yeah, somebody's going to get healed. How does that affect me? Well, we're wasting a whole lot of time if we don't consider ourselves going to get healed as well. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's your back hurting, knee hurting, teeth, mouth hurting. Like Bobby, talking about your mouth there. Well, this is great stuff. Praise the Lord. Watch this. Crowds of sick folk, lame, blind, with paralyzed limbs, lay on platforms, waiting for a certain movement of the water. For an angel of the Lord came down from time to time and disturbed the water, and the first person to step down in after it was healed. Now that was probably, I would, knowing what I know about the Bible, I think they just come up with that. Because you could have actually gone to the Lord yourself and received his mercy and found, like David said, he forgives all my iniquities, and he called these benefits. And these were the top ones. Forgives all my iniquities, that's me, that means my sins, and heals all my diseases. Wow, Psalm 103. And he's... He prefaced it by saying this, and forget not all, you know, his benefits. And what does the church do today? What are some of our Christian friends today? That's the, the last thing they think the Lord will do will help you if your back's hurting. It's ridiculous. I talked to Dustin sometime, and we just, we, we, we just wonder at some of the people that we know. They, they just don't know. They don't know. But anyway, so this was sort of a legend here. First one in the water, get healed. But you remember... 
all about Jesus, everybody that came to him was getting healed. So Jesus didn't say, okay, watch this. All right, guys, get ready. I'm going to touch it. Y'all get a race now. Ah, come on. The Lord help all of them. Matter of fact, when when Moses brought all the people out from under Pharaoh, the scripture tells us in a song in the book of uh, Psalms, not a feeble one was among them. Don't you know, Paul Moses, we can't go today. My back's hurting. I can't go. No, they ate the Passover and they were ready. That's the reason the unleavened bread. They didn't have time to let it rise. And they all walked to the promised land, basically, after that. Amazing. But anyway, so all these people, there, a lot of people are sick here. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Wow. Now watch the conversation. Think about that man being you. And here comes Jesus. Now remember, that's a good picture of him today. He's standing at the church of, I'll say, Laodicea, could be Philadelphia, I forgot which one. Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, well, that's us. He'd been sick for 38 years. Must be God's will. 38 years, I mean, come on, I ain't ever going to get over this thing. Boy, we think that sometimes with a cold that's dragging on. Sore throat. Gosh, my third day. Ah. I know the pain, I understand. But remember this. When Jesus saw him, knew how long he'd been ill, he asked him, would you like to get well? That's Jesus talking to us today. Don't talk to nobody else. Don't even talk to yourself. Just treat the Bible as though it's true. Treat Jesus as though he's God. Treat Jesus as though he asked you today, do you want to get well? And say, well, yeah, absolutely. Well, he starts out by saying, I can't. I can't. I have no one to help me. Jesus had been healing everybody. Now, you got to understand, in all fairness here, this guy did not know this was Jesus. And we'll see as the story progresses. I got no one to help me uh, into the pool at the movement of the water. While I'm trying to get there, someone else gets in ahead of me, which was probably it never happened. It was just a story. Look what Jesus said. Let me think about it. Now, why didn't Jesus stop and say, you know what? We need to talk about your behavior. We need to talk about you being a good Christian. You know, he didn't do that. Actually, he does later down at the end of the story. But at the time of healing, Jesus wants you well. Roll up your sleeping mat and go on home. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his mat and began walking. But it was on the Sabbath. Oh, brother. When this miracle was done. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. It's illegal to carry that sleeping mat. Boy, we're still going on with the story. The man who healed me told me uh, me too, was his reply. Now they go, well, who was this guy? Oh, well, they knew what was going on. They completely knew. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. I mean, this group here, remember, Jesus called these people snakes. He's, Jesus run these people out of the temple with a whip. They were so far from God, and yet they were supposed to be representing him. The man didn't know, and Jesus had disappeared. Aren't you glad he'll just show up for you? I'm just, man, fantastic. He disappeared into the crowd. Remember, Jesus leaves the 99, goes after the one. 
You know, if there's anything we need to believe in the Bible, you're going to get your miracle instead of everybody else gets it but me. Wow. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple. Wow. And told him, now, now you're well. He said, don't sin as you did before. Something even worse may happen to you. Well, now, why didn't Jesus start with that and just say, now, look, we, we need to cut a deal here. You know, <laughs> If I do something for you, you got to do something for me. No, Jesus healed him. We're always going to owe the Lord for his mercy. Anyway, then the man went to find the Jewish leaders and told them it was Jesus who healed him. Oh, then they began to harass Jesus. Goodness, gee. As a Sabbath breaker, oh my goodness. Now watch what Jesus says. Jesus replied, my father constantly does good. Well, that means he'd have to be doing it for you and me. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm following his example. Actually, what Jesus was saying is here was, my father works on the Sabbath, whether you like it or not. That's what he was getting at. Oh, they got mad. The Jewish leaders were all the more eager to kill him. Yeah, because in addition to dis disobeying their Sabbath law, he's spoken of God as his father, thereby making himself equal with God. Now, wait a minute. The Bible says we cry out to him and say, Abba, Father. Jesus even taught us, said, pray this way, our Father which art in heaven. Do you mean to tell me that God is treating us as though we're his children? Of course. But sometimes we think it's a, it's a mythical children. It's not mythical. You read the genealogy of Jesus in Luke chapter 3. You know, so his daddy, his daddy, his daddy, his daddy, his daddy. The last one was Adam, and it says, Adam, the son of God. And think about it. You're created in his image. Praise the Lord. Oh, they, but they were, oh, no, you don't ever say that. Peter wrote a letter, his second letter. He says, basically, in 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, Peter says, oh, by the way, the promises of God caused you to be a partaker of the divine nature. That's why reading your Bible is so important. Partakers. How can we be called a partaker of the divine nature? It's just true. Praise the Lord. Oh, they didn't like it. They think Jesus is acting like he's God's son. Jesus said, oh, he was poking them. He said, the son can do nothing by himself. In other words, he was saying, the father gave me the power to heal this guy. He only does what the, he sees the father doing in the same way. For the father loves the son, tells him everything he's doing, and the son will do more. Wow, he didn't say... Well, it's the end of that. Look at, look at this. Is he going to quit? The son will do far more awesome miracles than this man's healing. Praise the Lord. It's not going to run out. He'll even raise from the dead anyone he wants to, just as the father does. And the father leaves all judgment of sin to the son so that everyone will honor the son just as they honor the father. If you refuse to honor God's son, whom he sent to you, then you are certainly not honoring the father. Jesus was trying to warn them, look, if you're going to buck the system, you're going to get yourself in trouble. I emphatically say that anyone who listens to my message believes in God who sent me, look at that, has eternal life and will never be damned for his sins. Praise the Lord. What does that do for you and I this morning? Are we going to heaven? Praise the Lord. I notice he didn't say as long as he didn't sin. No, Richard sins. I will never be damned for my sins. Praise the Lord. Why? I listen to his message and I believe in God. Praise the Lord. 
Now I'm getting to a point here. Let's keep going. Watch what he says here. He's going to bring up Moses in a moment. Then we're going to see Moses. Then we'll stop. I solemnly declare that the time is coming. In fact, it's here when the dead are going to hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen shall live. The Father has life in himself and has granted his Son to have life in himself and to judge the sins of all mankind because he's the Son of Man. Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in the graves shall hear the voice of, of God's Son and rise again. Those who've done good to eternal life, those who continue in evil to judgment. He says, but I pass um, no judgment without consulting the Father. I judge as I'm told. My judgment is absolutely just and fair. It's according to the will of God who sent me and not merely my own. When I make claims about myself, uh, excuse me, when I make claims about myself, they aren't, uh, they aren't believed. But someone else, uh, yes, John the Baptist is making these claims for me too. Uh, he says, you went out and you listened to John. I can assure you that all he says about me is true. But the truest witness I have is not from a man, though I've reminded you about John's witness, uh, so that you will believe in me and be saved. Wow. I mean, it's so simple. You just believe in Jesus is saved. John shone brightly for a while, and you benefited and rejoiced. I mean, the whole multitudes were going out to John. I mean, the, even the Romans were going out to see John. But the Pharisees were like, we're not going but I have a far greater witness than John. I refer to the miracles I do. They've been assigned to me by the Father, and they prove that the Father has sent me. Now, boy, now wait a minute. He just said miracles prove Jesus is sent. Okay, so now if we stop and we go, my back's hurting, so Lord, I, I, I realize you must have quit. Oh, that means Jesus has decided to quit showing, you know, that he's, he's testifying that he's the Son of God. No, he's not going to quit testifying. Whatever's broke on you, he's going to fix. He'll do it. Anyway, the Father himself has testified about me. Oh, though not appearing to you. Let's see. Here we go. Personally, you're speaking directly to you. But you're not listening to him, for you refuse to believe me, the one <clears throat> sent to you from God's message. Now, he's, we're just picking some things off for us, but he's actually angry with these religious leaders. 39. You search the scriptures. For you believe they give you eternal life. And the scriptures point to me. Praise the Lord. That's why it's so important that we read our Bibles. You won't come to me that I can give you this eternal life. Your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. For as I know so well, you don't have God's love within you. I know this because you've come, because I have come to you representing my father and you refuse to welcome him. Remember, they want to kill him. Therefore, you Readily enough, receive those who aren't sent from him, but represent only themselves. No wonder you can't believe. For you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from only God. Yet it's not I who will accuse you to the Father. Look at that. Moses will. Well, Moses is dead. No, he ain't dead. He's somewhere, but he's not dead. Yeah, his body died, but remember, he showed up with Jesus on the mount. One day, and, and Jesus was standing there, he started glowing. Moses showed up. Elias showed up. Wow. He says, Moses, on the laws you set your hopes of heaven. He says, for you have refused to believe Moses. He wrote about me. Wow. That's the reason I've been having so much fun with Deuteronomy. I, mean, I see Jesus all over the place. It's either blessing or cursing. Now, you don't get middle ground. But we in the Bible Belt, we think, well, I, I read a book about how come things go wrong in your life. 
I don't read those books. It's either you are blessed or you are not. And if you're not, do like David did. Hey, God, help me now. Instead of help me understand why things go wrong sometimes. Oh, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. Oh, please. What if Joshua did that when he went up to Jericho? Whoa, whoa, those walls are tall. God grant me the serenity to accept the fact that we they didn't open the doors for us. No. God said march around that thing every day, blow trumpets. Then on the last day, go around it seven times, blow the trumpets again, and the walls, boom, fell down. Wow. And God told Moses, after God told Joshua after Moses died, in Joshua 1, don't be afraid, no matter who's out there, you're going to wipe them out. Anyway, for you've refused to believe Moses. He wrote about me. But you've refused to believe him, so you refuse to believe in me. And since you don't believe what he wrote, no wonder you don't believe in me. I'm telling you, we're going to read Deuteronomy 30, 30 in just a moment, and it's totally incredible. And, and it's Jesus. Anyway, no wonder you don't believe me. So let's just see what he said about Mo, what Moses said about him. All right, anyway, Deuteronomy. Look at chapter 30. And chapter 30 is a mirror image of all the rest of them. Uh, when all these things have happened to you, the blessings and the curses I've listed, what? You will meditate upon them as you're living among the nations where the Lord will have driven you. In other words, they decided, I want to worship somebody else. I'm not going to worship God. Well, then that's when the curses came on them. They lost their nation. They went up under Nebuchadnezzar. But if, as you read the story in the Bible, guess what? Nehemiah and Ezra, they all came back to the promised land again. The second time, 70 years later. And it was a miracle then. He said, if that time, wherever you're at, let's say, let's just, and you see this in, when the Holocaust took place. At that time, uh, you want to return to the Lord. And you and your children have begun wholeheartedly to obey the, all the commandments of the Lord I give you today. Then the Lord your God will rescue you from your captivity. And he'll have mercy on you and come and gather you out of all nations where you have been scattered to. Now remember, they, the sin they were guilty of was worshiping other gods. Thank God we're not going to do that. <clears throat> we just can be guilty of unbelief. When the, when the Israelites got to the promised land, they go, ah, yeah, but there's giants. Ah, now we can't go in there. <gasps> That'll mess you up. It messed them up. Anyway, he'll have mercy on you, and he'll gather you out of all nations where you've been scattered. Though you're at the ends of the earth. Look at this. Look at this. Though you're at the ends of the earth, he will go and find you and bring you back to the land of your ancestors. Wow. You'll possess the land again, and he will do good and bless you even more than he did your ancestors. I mean, it's either blessing or it's curse. And, of course, that's what verse 19 says in a moment. God says, I'm going to call the stars together. And I'm going to call the earth. And I'm going to say that the earth and heaven are going to testify to you right now. They're going to be witnesses. Either blessing or curse. I mean, and he gives us a hint. I'll give you a hint. Take blessing. Praise the Lord. Anyway, he'll cleanse your hearts of your children and your children's children so that you'll love the Lord your God with all your hearts and souls. Now, remember, Jesus said, Moses was writing about me, and he is. If you return to the Lord and do all the commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God, look at that, he'll take his curses 
and turn them against your enemies. Praise the Lord. Now, remember Paul wrote, I mean, our most wonderful Apostle Paul. He said in Galatians 3 that Christ became a curse for us. We are so covered with all this thing, except for unbelief. I just don't believe that, Richard. I know it's too good to be true, but we got to believe it. Remember the guy sitting there 38 years, Jesus said, you want to get well or not? Well, nobody will. Get on, Paul. Come on. Take up your bed and walk. Immediately he did. Wow. Look at this. The Lord your God, here it is, prosper everything you do. And I was working on brakes the other day. I was telling Bob when I come in here. I bought a part in a master cylinder, put it all in at record time, started pouring the oil in there, and then something went wrong. I thought, I'm putting in way too much oil. Well, I had another leak somewhere. Well, I had that thought that I'd had because I'd heard a preacher say this. You know, sometimes, you know, Lord's teaching you something, you know. No, I knew better. I said, Lord, show me where I'm blowing it. I'm messing up somewhere. Instead of going around and going, well, the problems, and I guess, you know, I'm just a sinner, which we are, but I ain't worried about that because Jesus' blood has covered me, praise the Lord. I do my best to be perfect, but I understand I'm not. Anyway, I went back out there again, and I found where the leak was. Praise the Lord. And I didn't have to redo what I did. There was just a brake line that was messed up. Praise the Lord. But why did I get that way? Because he said he would prosper everything you do. I was greased up like crazy. I'm a mess. I'm starting to get frustrated, but I'm so glad that I know the Lord will prosper everything you do. Praise the Lord. I'm just so glad that's there. I believe that, and I know you do too. And give you many children. What if you can't have kids? Read the Bible. How many women in the Bible couldn't have kids? Oh, boy, it's just a list of them. But all of a sudden, they had kids. They had kids. God's so bold, he said, there's not any of your kids that are not going to be able to have kids. Yeah, but Richard, I don't want to hear your story. I understand that, but I want to look at this story. Because God had promised. Can you bring it? Can you see it coming to a screeching halt? Let's just take it from Adam and Eve. He creates Adam and Eve. Oh, wonderful. And Adam names Eve because she will be what? She will be the mother of all living. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, gee. She can't have kids. That made me question creation. God, you ain't such a good creator. What's wrong with you? Our first woman can't even have kids. See, it's just broke. It's broke. It's not supposed to be that way. Well, Richard, are you blaming a woman? No. We're trusting the Lord. The Lord will fix all this stuff. Read the stories. I mean, Samuel, 1 Samuel. I don't want to take time, to, but remember the story. 1 Samuel, Hannah was his mother. Hannah couldn't have kids. And it was one of those situations where the husband had two wives, and the other wife was just laughing at Hannah about it. And Hannah was heartbroken. And what did she do? What did she do? Samuel chapter 1. When they went to that feast, going to the feast, and it's a festival because they were all having a good time. They were giving people gifts like Christmas. It's a festival. It's a happy time. But Hannah wasn't happy because she didn't have no kids. Even her husband said, aren't, aren't I worth more than 10 kids? Well, I know you're handsome and stuff, and a woman might could say that, but it breaks a woman's heart if she can't have kids. And this woman was heartbroken. So she was up against somewhere at the tabernacle. It was a tent structure. And Eli, who was a lousy high priest, he came out there and he said, hey, if you're going to drink, he thought she was drunk. Why don't you just get on away from here? Go somewhere else. Don't be right here while you're drinking. You know, because she was drunk is what he thought. And she said, I'm not drunk. I'm sorrowful. 
of heart. And he said, what's up? She said, I don't have no kids. And boy, Eli said, the Lord grants you. He didn't even stop and go, no, wait, let me check. Wait, 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 let me check. Wait. Yep, I feel the spirit moving. And hold on. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, your number come up. Yeah. No, that's not the way it worked. And Hannah got so excited. She got up. She went back to where her husband and her, I don't know what you call the other wife, you know, sister-in-law, whatever. I mean, and they had a good time. And she went right back to their hometown. And guess what? Little Samuel was born. And she had promised him to the Lord. And when he was five years old or whatever, she took him back to Eli and left him with Eli. God, how's that affect me? Well, I can do that. What is it I'm sorrowful about? What is it I'm worried about? Anyway, he'll give you many children, much cattle, wonderful crops. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine how the Lord's blessing me so much. Any different than this. For the Lord will again will rejoice over you as he did your fathers. He'll rejoice over you. But if you, uh, I mean, to obey the, excuse me. I, I preached too long there and get off on stuff. The screen goes away. Okay. The Lord will again rejoice over you as he did your forefathers. This is verse 10 out of Deuteronomy 30. He'll rejoice, uh, but we'll rejoice if you but obey the commandments written in this book of the law. Uh, and, uh, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your hearts and souls. Sometimes we think that that's impossible. No, 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 no. Look at the next verses. This, this come right out of Romans chapter 10. Obeying these commandments is not something beyond your strength and reach. There was always provision. Listen, there was always provision for failure. It was forgiveness. But remember, the thing that was tripping them worse was, oh, I got a new God. I'm, a, I'm, I'm doing a little devil worship too, you know. And I'm going to worship. The Egyptians got a great sun god. Oh, we like. Oh, please. Man. Made out of rocks. They can't do nothing. Anyway. So these laws are not far in heaven. This is a direct quote from Romans chapter 10. The word is nigh thee in your heart and in your mouth. The word of faith which we preach. You know, it's, you don't have to say go into the deep and bring it up or whatever. It's not so far in the heavens, so distant that you can't hear and obey it. And with no one to bring them down to you, nor are they beyond the ocean so far that no one can bring their message, but they're very close at hand in your heart and your lips. Now look, look at verse 15. I have set before you life and death, depending on whether you obey or disobey. Now remember what Jesus summed it up to those religious leaders. You don't believe in me is what he said. You guys don't believe in me. He's not saying you, you miss it just a little bit. These guys hated Jesus. I've commanded you today to love the Lord your God, follow his paths, keep his laws, so that you'll live and become a great nation. Wow. And that the Lord your God will bless you and the land you're about to possess. Praise the Lord. But if you turn your hearts away and won't listen, and if you're drawn away, there it is, to worship other gods, then I declare to you this day, you'll surely perish. Wow. Mm. Look what he says here. Now we're taking the good part. Then I declare to you this day, you'll surely perish. You will not have a long and good life. You mean the Lord's promising me that I'll live long? Well, yeah. If you read the scripture, Psalm 91 says, With long life will I satisfy him. Proverbs 3 says, Wealth and riches is in one hand. And what's the other one? Long life in the other. But we go, only the good die young. <laughs> I mean, we have so much unbelief. It's ridiculous. Here it is. And the land you're going, I call heaven and earth to witness against you that today I have set before you life and death, 
blessing or curse. Look what he says. Oh, that you would choose. This is the end of it right here. Choose life that you and your children might live. Choose to love the Lord your God and obey. Cling to him for he is your life. Look at this. And the length of your days. Praise the Lord. We're not going to die today. Hallelujah. And we're all too young. I don't care how old you are here. We're still too young. Myrna's too young. Her mom lived to be nearly 100 or over, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, how much? 100. Yeah, 100. Whew. Look at this. Every time Dustin gets on his motorcycle or mail or when I get on mine or when we get behind our cars, you'll be able to live safely in the land the Lord promised you. To your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can we remember this? Yeah, the promised land. These are all the blessings of the promised land. The next chapter, we're not going to cover it, but it's when Moses died. And then Joshua picks up. And, uh, but praise the Lord. Wow. Remember, he says, I'm not going to cross the Jordan. You know, he said, look at this. I'm 120 years old. And the Lord said, I'm not going, I'm not going to go, you know. And, uh, oh, I was going to see if there was one little spot right there, but I didn't see it. Oh. It's in 30. Here it is right here. I do want you to see this. Look at this. 33, 34. Yeah. Oh. There it is. Look at that. Moses. Moses. Now, don't, don't, don't think this is not you. It is. He was 120 when he died. Yet his eyesight was perfect, and he was strong as a young man. Now, do we have the, do we have that scripture so we can go? Wow, he was lucky. He was lucky. Now it's for us. Praise the Lord, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your word today. We thank you. If we're not feeling good, health wise, or whatever it is, just like the man that was there for thirty eight years. Praise the Lord. We hear you say you want to get better. Yeah, Hallelujah. We want to get better. Take care of that. Lord, same thing's true financially. Praise the Lord. We just accept it. Praise the Lord. You put, make my driveway go, whatever. I mean, praise the Lord. You're going to take care of me and all of us. Lord, and if it's not even money, it's not even health or whatever, it's just some other major, major problem. Well, we know you'll take care of that. Your arm's not too short that you can't save. Praise the Lord. You'll fix it. And that doesn't leave anything left but for us to leave records and testimony that Jesus is there to help us and he'll help anybody else the same way. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wow. Praise the Lord. 30 minutes, 25 seconds.